Bolter, Bolton, standing start from the 50. Well, that's five in a row now, and they've levelled it up. Noah Bolter, who's going to get the free kick. We know that distance won't be an issue at all, and, and neither will the accuracy. So he got there first, and that's his second. It's a 50-50 ball. Bolter, as it's squeezed out, he gets past one. From a tight angle, he snaps it through for his third. Again, Bolter involved. Steers it low. Campbell got it to Bolton. He pings it through. Oh, May, a little bobble. Bolter bearing down. Bolton comes in to lend a hand. Took it away from May. Gets it back from Bolter on the skid. Two in a row. That's three for Shea. They have been manic with their Ford 50 pressure in this game since halfway through the first quarter. And they get another one on turnover and kick 10 in a row. 10 in a row. So of all the things I thought might have happened in a match simulation, I didn't have Richmond pegged for 10 goals in a row against Melbourne after being, well, totally outclassed for the first 15 minutes. So at halftime yesterday, I ducked up the street to grab the meat for dinner from the butcher. And at the crossing, I met the most strident Richmond supporter in our neighbourhood. And she said to me, how do you think the Tigers will go in 2024? And I said to her, better than an hour ago after just watching that. So I thought, let's swap some notes, shall we? He's as good an observer as there is in our media, Pete Ryan from The Age. You might have read his thoughts this morning. I want to delve into his notebook and then swap notes from what I picked up as well out of yesterday's match sim. And then you'll have yours as well in your snap judgments, particularly Tiger fans who saw the Adam Uze team for the first time. one 736 Pete, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jared. Good to be here. So you're a seasoned observer. So my starting point is when you go to the match <laughs> sims, and I never quite know what I'm looking at. What? Where do you just? Where do you set your levels of what you're going to take in? Well, I think we're all looking for something different, uh, aren't we? Particularly with a new coach on board after such a successful run at Richmond, and the obvious parts to look at were the forward line structure, which is Noah Bolter and Jacob Kaczynski, who um, obviously standing in while Tom Lynch is on the sidelines. And Uze had also flagged using Bolton, who's obviously a, a star of the competition, really, who could be anything, um, playing a lot more up forward. And there seemed to be a distinct uh, difference in the way that they played the game uh, under Uze. There was, the forward pressure was really intense. Um, and there was also just a tempo. They were able to change the tempo a little bit while maintaining the elements that have obviously made Richmond great in the last six or seven years, uh, just with that capacity to move the ball forward at all costs. Once they settled after the first 15 minutes, there looked to be a real freshness about them, um, which can be a bit of confirmation bias when you've got a new coach and so on. But just having a, a bunch of small forwards that I didn't know much about, Seth Campbell, Steely Green, and uh, those uh, players that I mentioned, as well as the old stages like Jaden Short and Nathan Broad, and also having Josh Gibbs back, it just looked like a, a team that if you're a Richmond supporter, there'd be a lot to not so much get excited about, but really be enthused about this year. All right, so I'm going to swap notes with you from here. So Gibkus took the first intercept mark of the match. I thought, yes, yep. that's so he's been the missing piece, hasn't he? And he he's the one who allows the the ball to move. Gib, I thought Gibkus's three quarters gave the hint as to what the possibilities are for him. Absolutely. He looks like one of those players. I mean, he's now wearing the number 18, Alex Rance. I'm not going to compare him to him, but he just slots in as a taller version of Dylan Grimes and he'll allow a player that might develop like, or even broad and short and those guys who have been doing it for years to actually be the third man across Nick Floston. 
Um, he just gives a stability to that back line that wasn't there last year when he was missing. Um, and it actually gives them the capacity to get that run and flow out of the back line, knowing that they've also got Noah Boulder, who really worked hard to get up the line. He's such an athletic beast. He's one of those players that would be really hard to play on. Um, so, yeah, I agree. When he took that mark, I thought, there you go, first tick. I'm happy to go in order of my notebook here. So Bolter took the first <laughs> mark fine, but didn't have the first clue what he was doing, which is then followed by Mark <laughs> May outmarks Bolter. And I've got a little cross in my book at that stage. And then it turned. So I feel like the Bolter thing is, do you have the imagination for it? I don't know whether I do or not, but he is, he is a presence so Kaczynski looks yeah. much more like he knows what he's doing with his patterns as a forward, but Bolter was a more significant player. Is, do you have the imagination for it, having seen the first glimpse yesterday? Well, we did laugh in the uh, when we were watching a few of our journeys when Bolter did uh, mark up that first possession because it was classic Noah Bolter. And I sat next to Neil Barn when Noah Bolter first played in Shepparton and it was hilarious listening to his commentary. <laughs> he was <laughs> mystified by everything he was doing. But, yeah, I do. I think he's a really difficult matchup, particularly if you've got Tom Lynch occupying the best defender in the opposition. Um, and they can also swim, swing him into the ruck if it's not working out, which he's just a player who covers a lot of holes. And if they are able to settle him down up forward, I reckon he'll learn really quickly. He's already a premiership player, which is the thing about Richmond when you look at them. They've lost great champions, obviously, in Jack Rewald and Trent Cotchin, but they've got that next generation that were young when they won the last couple of their premierships like Bolton and Boulder. Um, so that's why I get excited about what they potentially could do on the rebound with a fresh voice. Shea Bolton. So I definitely have the imagination for this because we've seen it before. So um, centre bounce and then forward. And and I, it was Mick Gleeson's piece that sort of tipped the hand on yeah. potentially the, the Cyril Rioli type. It, is I can definitely see that. It, he can get a lot of possessions in the midfield without being as damaging as he can as if he gets most of them at the centre bounce and then forward. What, what were your impressions of Bolton? Well, I love Bolton as a player. I thought last year was pretty lackadaisical, to be honest, at times. Um, probably just the whole thing going on with the coaching. He seemed to waste mega opportunities in front of goal. If he can tighten that part of his game up, he's definitely a potentially 40, 50 goal kicker a year player. Um, who we all know the impact he can have in the middle of the ground. And particularly, if, remember yesterday, he had Thompson Dow and Jacob Hopper as the uh, number one and two midfielders. Um, they'll have Dion Prestia at some point, we hope, but definitely Dustin Martin and Tim Torano back in. So it lessens his load even more. Um, and then he's got, I keep mentioning Bolter, but he's got Boulder and Tom Lynch to crumb off. Um, yeah, he's a dangerous proposition. I mean, do you find an easy matchup for him? And if if you do find a matchup for him up forward, we can always got that option just to to stretch the defence and confuse the defence by pushing him up the ground. On the Melbourne side of things, so um, going down to Viney, Petrarca. So all I yeah. wanted to look at, and this is so you mentioned confirmation bias. Okay, so all I wanted to look at was how they're going to kick the ball inside fifty, and yep. through the first two quarters. They kept, with a couple of exceptions, and Billings with a lovely pass. So that, that, was, that was interesting. But they kept kicking the ball to Van Royen in a pack. Um, what did you make I, of the I, way they entered 50? I felt terribly sorry for Van Royen and their forwards. I mean, they were just kicking predictably to the same place. And it felt a bit disheartening if you're a Melbourne supporter, albeit... 
been a match simulation, but uh, there was just long bombs to the... Jacob Van Ruin's not a huge person either. He needs the football place to his advantage. So he was on a hiding to nothing. And they haven't... Well, Pickett's obviously a great small forward, but they haven't got a, a range of small forwards down there. They're still trying with Chandler. Brown's a first-year player. Looked, looked impressive, but obviously they're not going to rely much on him. They've got to change their ball movement. There's no doubt about that. I think they need to do a lot more work the way they move the ball off half-back so they can get some clean entries into their forward 50 that gives their forward space. The other thing that concerns me a bit, they've obviously lost players through injury and so on, but Van Ruin's, what, in his third year, and he's going to be trying to play alongside a cast that's going to be rotating. That's really difficult when you're trying to get that synergy um, inside your Ford 50 to create space for each other. There's concerns there. They're obviously going to be a good team and they're going to get enough supply, but some of those old uh, things that reared their head during the finals last year seem to be still existing and they've still got a bit of work to do. I do have the imagination for Kynan Brown. Is the way he played, Pete, made me think he was the son of the other Nathan Brown rather than the, the back pocket. <laughs> and right. he, I, he played in the manner that uh, he'll give himself a chance of a game in the first six weeks. I thought so too. He was really impressive. I mean, both Nathan Browns, if you can have the flair of the uh, Richmond Bulldogs, Nathan Brown, and the toughness of his old man, he'd be a great mix down there. Yes. And he did have that toughness because he's skinny and light. And, you know, we always, I do at my age, watch them and think, God, you're going to get um, split in half. But he, he just burrows in and has got some cleverness around goals and, and seemed keen and hungry to kick a goal. So he could be a really good addition to them. Yeah, and then obviously the the news element was there was no question that Clayton Oliver would stand out playing against the VFL team, but that that's sort of a yeah. step on his way back. How, how did you come away? Oh, there's a, it's complicated the Oliver scenario, and it doesn't have much to do with running around picking up the footy, does it? But how did you come away uh, thinking about him for the season from yesterday? Well, I was thinking about it from the perspective of there's probably normally two elements that you put into selection and one's, you know, are they good enough? There are second ones, are they fit enough? And, you know, obviously um, Oliver's good enough right now. His touch was still there. He looked good in the middle and obviously against the lesser opponents, but still that Oliver smoothness was there. Is he fit enough? That's an open question. He's missed a lot of the preseason training on his own. He looked reasonably fit. He did die out a little bit. But the third component, obviously, is there is a range of experts, including the AFL, medical experts, the footy department, who are all looking to work out when a return to senior football is going to support Clayton best and help him best. And that's an open question that none of us really have the answer for. And everyone's hoping and trying to set him up for a season where he can have continuity, nothing worse than him coming back and and either getting injured or, or having to go out. or I mean, it's not unsurprising if that does happen, but ideally he can hit the season in the AFL with a bit of momentum, whether that's round, opening round or round five. I don't think it really matters for Melbourne. It just matters that he's up and running at the business end of the season when they need him most desperately. That would be my assessment of it. Um, you know, and we wish him well in that regard, and he's obviously making good steps forward. Which is which is good to see, and the last element was there was a terrific crowd there, Pete. So I was watching on telly. You were there. Is what what was the? It felt like a lovely little little atmosphere for February for a little oh. taster. 
It was like, it reminded me of getting into Waverley Park back in the day. There was huge queues of cars. <laughs> I half expected Taylor Swift to rock up on the half-forward <laughs> flank and, and watch. No, it was a good atmosphere. People are people are hungry for footy. There's no doubt about it, Jared. I'm among them too. It's um, it's Richmond and Melbourne supporters were keen and out there. And this is the thing. I mean, Melbourne's got a lot hanging over them. Obviously, after last year's exit and then the off season they've had. And their supporters will probably defend them and support them to the Hilton. Richmond supporters just feel like it's a fresh, new look, a good appointment of Adam Uze. You know, he's got the players, senior players, obviously on board, and that makes for good watching if you're a supporter. Pete, thanks for sharing the notes in your book with us. Pleasure, Jared. Thanks good for on you. Peter Ryan, his pieces in the age today, is swapping some notes out of yesterday's match sim and how deep do you want to go. It, it felt <laughs> there's nothing more suited to snap judgments for overly emotional reactions and for the pure passion than having a look at that and seeing what's there.